This episode is sponsored by Origami Risk, an award-winning adaptable cloud-based platform that can help you and your business manage all aspects of resilience, such as risk, safety, insurance, and even the management of business continuity and disaster recovery plans. Visit origamirisk.com forward slash resilience. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Resilience Pod, the podcast helping you become resilient in our world full of disruptions. You're here with me, your host, Rina Singh. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode, we're talking about climate and sustainability, which is a very hot topic. So what is the role of the resilience professional in this? Well, today we're going to answer these questions and a little bit more with my next guest, who is responsible for leading the delivery of all resilience efforts. Well, she is passionate about encouraging the next generation of resilience professionals. And fun fact, she used to be a professional actress. Woohoo! We've got a little bit of a celebrity <laughs> here. She puts her career capital to use because she presents and is a speaker in the industry and I am very excited to collaborate and work with my lovely guest again so please join me in introducing to you Sarah Garrington welcome hey thank you thank you it's good to be here yeah, welcome it's so nice to see you I'm really excited about this we have done a podcast together but in a different platform in a different life so excited that you're on the pod talking about something that's Again, like I said before, is hot topic, climate change and sustainability. And before we get into the nitty gritty is like, what is it? What is climate change and sustainability? <laughs> Big question. Yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> I think climate change, scientists kind of globally have kind of accepted that the planet's climate is changing. Mm. Um, and so I think it is something that it, it's going to impact everyone. And um, sustainability for me is something that it's the, the way that we can exist without having that bigger impact on our planet. And that's kind of whether it's you as an individual, as an organisation, as a community, you know, there's lots of different kind of areas that you can approach this. And um, so it's really that effort to reduce your impact whether mm. that's through um the way that you live your life or conscious decisions that you make and um, like I say as an organization or as a person yeah that's I love it it's a very simple way of putting it isn't it and especially the sustainability part because climate change we kind of have an idea about but what is that sustainability piece which is quite interesting so thanks for that um my, my next question to you is and I'm sure a lot of people are going to think be thinking this is well so what, why should I care about it? And what is, and I know it sounds quite flippant, but what are the consequences if we don't care about this? Yeah, I think, you know, um, it is unfortunately one of those things that impacts people that are maybe, you know, that not in my back garden approach. Mm. So there's a lot of kind of impacts on people that maybe, you know, and I'm speaking of somebody that's based in the UK, that we don't necessarily see on a day-to-day kind of basis. And um, for me that, there are impacts from a business perspective when we're thinking about, you know, supplier resilience and our kind of general supply chains, but also thinking about things like, you know, it's kind of accepted that river levels and water levels and sea levels are all going to rise in the future. So what does that mean for you as a business, whether you're, um, you know, living in a floodplain or a water, near a waterway, a coastal area, um, you know, whether you've got a head office somewhere mm. like that, and also how you kind of react to things like extreme weather events. And, um, you know, like in the UK, we've had a lot of 
big storms recently and how do we kind of make sure that our businesses are prepared to deal with all these kind of little niche risks that come as a result of climate yeah. change and um, I think also it's kind of one of those things that people feel very overwhelmed by I think you know eco-anxiety is definitely something that mm. it's a word that I think I hear quite a lot and I think because of that a lot of people kind of go oh well I you know it's too big for me to think about I can't find a simple solution to the problem so I'm just not going to try um, and actually I think it's the first step and the first way to kind of why should people care is actually understanding that just small changes that everyone can make I think can make a really big difference collectively um, so yeah having a as hard as it might be a positive mental attitude about it I think is really helpful. Yeah, and it's, it's being a bit more intentional, isn't it, um, yeah. with this and trying to understand. We're not saying be experts, um, <laughs> but at least try to understand because it does have an impact on us, um, yeah. isn't it? So, which is which is a scary thought, isn't it? But, you know, we are living in this world. Um, there's going to be a question on everybody's mind, and it's always that question in the resilience world is, well, who's responsible for, for yeah. all of this? tedious like massive task everyone um, <laughs> so I think it's it's really difficult because you know it is one of these things that could actually sit in many different kind of parts of an organization so you know in my organization it sits with me in different organizations you get it sitting with facilities with operations you know with kind of other parts of the business um, and I think there are different, like I say, niche risks that need to be considered in regards to kind of where it sits. Um, I personally, I would say this, think it sits in the resilience world because it is ultimately a resilience issue. It's how is the business going to react to an external event? And, you know, actually for me, that is a way, in a way, kind of making the organisation more resilient. And, um, you know, there are kind of legal and regulatory obligations as well that some people might fall under. So actually it could sit in a general counsel kind of legal world as well. Mm. Um, but for me, I think everyone kind of playing a part together is actually really key to make sure that, you know, talking again about an organization that the organization understands the impacts and can work to kind of mitigate those as well and um, so yeah having that kind of combined effort spearheaded maybe by resilience I think is really key that is really fascinating and you know I think we're going to talk about this a bit later on so I'm going to refrain uh, from asking you like all the questions in one question <laughs> uh, but that's quite insightful because we are all responsible as you say but then it's, it sits with different areas and and that resilience link is quite interesting because it nicely links to my question of well is it relevant to business continuity resilience professionals and I know you've touched upon it a little bit but I'd love you to elaborate a bit more to make it crystal clear to everyone yeah so I think the way that I see it is it's another risk like I said it's an external threat impacting the business so it's just another kind of risk that we have to deal with and um, I think there's quite a lot of stigma around it still I think a lot of people see um you know See it as something that they have to restrict what they do and the way that they live their lives, you know. And mm. I think there are some key kind of factors that everyone can take for, on a personal level. Everyone can kind of take into consideration whether it's buying your clothes secondhand or you know mm. having meat-free Mondays or whatever you personally choose to do. Um, but I think a lot of people see it as restrictive, which kind of means that then 
it does have this kind of like oh I don't I don't want to touch that I don't really want to deal with that sort of I don't know ethos around it maybe and um, so I think for me from a resilience professional's perspective it is a risk that we have to deal with so like I said you know whether we touch on the legal kind of standpoint yeah. and looking at things like you know COP26 and what are the the outcomes from that and how do they impact us as an organization looking at things like diversification of supplier mm. you know resilience and supply chains so actually if you've got a you know critical supplier that's based in an area that maybe suffers tsunamis or something like that how can we actually diversify that and reduce the risk on the business I touched on earlier about the kind of um the flooding element yeah I think there is also for me a piece around kind of um colleague resilience and kind of the well-being of our people so not only from you know well-being as in how I feel and you know me as a person but also about kind of actually if you're kind of looking 10-15 years in the future I honestly think that you are going to get people that aren't going to want to join organizations who are maybe um you know not as transparent as others in regards to their environmental impact or aren't actively doing something to reduce their environmental impact so it could be you know the type of organization that you see yourself being you might actually go actually I need to kind of maybe be more transparent in that space because the talent that I want to attract and retain um and likewise for clients you know if you're going to support a client that's maybe more transparent they're probably likely to want to work the supply chain themselves that actually you know fits the bill too so I think that there are lots of considerations that from a resilience perspective, whether it is kind of more financial resilience, you know, having resiliency in regards to clients, clients and colleagues, you know, having resilience around physical premises, suppliers, etc. There's so many different pockets to kind of go at that aren't anything related to the stigma. They're nothing to do with, you know, yeah, eating a beef burger. It's actually to do with that. <laughs> to do with you know how we as an organization react to an event that is happening kind of in in our kind of um external environment yeah and i i love that you've touched upon so many like interesting and pertinent points there and i love the particularly i love the bit about well the future uh you know forward looking for the the next like generation of people that are going to come into the roles and and the yeah. company and what they're feeling and do we even think about this you know guys if you're listening or watching have you ever consciously thought about the impacts the legacies that you are leaving behind in your current role and that's so key and I like that you said well it's not just about like eating a beef like on a you yeah. know on a Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday it th there's things that impact us in our uh, in our surroundings and we all know this like there's all these world hap things happening like power outages like flooding like you said um you know in the Americas they deal with this all the time in India yeah. in the UK it's starting to become a bit more worse and we're, we're looking at it there's just like so many risks and then the you know the way to look after people too and that's all climate change sustainability type of thing yeah. too isn't it yeah and I think that you know when you look at um this is me purely speaking personally here yeah you know when you look at kind of things that maybe governments or you know huge organizations mm -hmm. are or aren't doing in space it's very easy to kind of go oh well they're not doing much so maybe I shouldn't do much and I think that goes back to that kind of collaboration piece that I raised earlier that actually it's really 
critical, I think, to look at the team effort that everyone can, can kind of, um, and the team part that everyone can play, and think about it from an organisation perspective. What are those risks and what can we do to kind of minimise it? Um, there is that kind of responsible business slant as well. So whether yes. you do kind of want to have that positive impact on your kind of communities, et cetera, so many organizations do great things around CSR and actually incorporating this into that, it, you know, is, is quite simple to do. I'm not saying solving it's a simple task, but, you know, um, doing things like there's the great spring um, litter pick in a couple of weeks mm, and, and, and doing that sort of thing. So actually like, you know, everyone across an organisation spending a couple of hours in their lunchtime going and filling a black bin liner with, you know, stuff from the streets. Yeah. It kind of has that positive impact on like people as well. So it's like yeah. how you as an organisation, your staff feel as well about the fact that, you know, you're putting this first and you're putting their kind of well-being first as well. Um, yeah, like I said, there's so many angles to come from. And I think so it, many. Yeah. It's a rabbit, Warren. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I, I, I like that you said that, you know, you could use that volunteering time. I, I know in the UK, I'm not sure what it's like for the rest of our global audience, but, you know, in most organizations, you get like volunteering days and doing something like yeah. this, like this spring clean or something towards climate is a start because we don't want to be into that go into that phase in the few in the next five to ten years longer to have to be forced to look at climate change and sustainability yeah. and that, I yeah. feel like that's the worst because it's like do you we have to do it because we have to do it because there's a legal obligation but we should be kind of trying to do that from the start and it when when you were talking I got a flashback to like my early career when I was working in Canada and like it, you know this like sustainability and like green was like such a massive thing for the this organization I was working for and they were doing things like on the because like I was in the inner city and like lots of high-rise buildings you don't have much space for like greenery like you know the English countryside for example in like these big cities well these these companies who had like tall buildings would utilize their top floor for a green space you know yeah that's like looking uh, like that sustainability I mean okay it might not be solving climate change but you know things like putting solar panels on and stuff like that is yeah. is part of that bigger picture and like you said there's so many different caveats but it's an example of one yeah absolutely and I think it's the um I think it's the World Wildlife Foundation I believe who um actually have like a, a kind of green space within their office that's like you know full of plants and it's got areas to sit and nice. stuff and it's like a decompression space and actually like you know there have been studies that I can't cite off the top of my head that do kind of have that link to nature and actually you know people's stress levels and the way that people deal with problems and things and that's another kind of consideration I suppose I'm you know can you just add a few more plants to an office environment like you say it's not going to kind of solve climate change but if it's going to kind of purify the air and make people's brain power a little bit more um I don't know high powered then it's not necessarily a bad thing Indeed. so I think there's so many opportunities yeah and absolutely and talking about plants I can see one in the back of your background yeah. there so you can <laughs> see all mine surviving very well yeah <laughs> you can see mine floating around in the backgrounds and like they're all real but you know it makes a difference right and yeah. you know if you're listening you might want to come on YouTube and have a look at what our backgrounds look like guys <laughs> to see Sarah's almost dying plant there but she'll she'll water it after this podcast yeah. so don't worry it'll thrive it will <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. 
so yeah really interesting there moving on though um we, we've kind of talked touched on like climate change what is it what sustainability the consequences why should we care who's responsible the relevance to our industry so how can we get involved if it's not in our remit yet so I think um you know there are there are a couple of ways to kind of approach it for me I think based on the fact that I think there is still some stigma around it um I hugely kind of am hugely supportive of people actually taking the factual and data-driven approach because I think okay. you know at the end of the day evidence talks so being able to say you know these are risks that impacts our organization so going back to that flooding example i've used you know mm. you can go on the met office website and you can see the number of extreme weather events that have happened in a specific area you know you can sign up for flood alerts you can do all these things and actually saying to a board or whoever it is that holds the purse strings you know this is the impact if that office floods you know, and um, yeah, we might invoke business continuity, we might have a fantastic business continuity plan, but you know, from an insurance premium perspective, we're looking at this damage to our property. This is like the pound sign that's going to go in front of that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and actually just being able to drive forward kind of mitigations that, that are kind of, you know, going to reduce that risk, I think is very helpful, but it does get the conversation on the agenda. Mm. Um, you know, and obviously buying sandbags or whatever isn't going to stop a river or, you know, a waterway from flooding. But from a business perspective, it is going to reduce the risk, you know, for, for the organisation. Mm. Again, the supplier resilience piece I think is really key. Mm -hmm. So actually having a full kind of mapping of where are your suppliers based, the critical suppliers. You know, um, again, I, I kind of years ago read a newspaper article about this one particular organization that was in Japan, I believe, that was hit by a tsunami. And they sold the kind of glitter that goes in car paint. And it caught, and, and there's no other supplier that, that could, you know, provide this um, product. And suddenly it meant that everyone that had bought kind of that shimmery car, you know, suddenly was either getting a matte one or had to wait for months on end. <laughs> yes. And it's little things like that, that actually you just see, what are those pinch points? They might not be yours they could be fourth or fifth supplier yeah. down the line um so yeah having that kind of view of your risks and the data that goes alongside those I think really does help to drive a conversation um you know if you are kind of interested from a personal perspective I often find that there's lots of kind of like-minded individuals that maybe aren't quite sure what difference that they can make mm. so actually doing things like set up a green team you know if you want to mm. actually start talking about it um, and whether you want that to be a formal kind of working group that actually looks at the impacts on the organization, then great. Or it can be, you know, just groups of people that want to come together and talk about it. That's great, too. Um, but, you know, having formal kind of groups that come together, you might find that you want to include clauses in contracts that are actually mm -hmm. saying we won't work with you unless you, you know, started to define science based targets. Or, you know, actually, if you work with us, we are going to expect to audit your progress towards your target mm. and all these sorts of things. But actually, I think it's like a ripple, you know, a, approach that you kind of drop a drop in the ocean that all starts to kind of ripple out to everyone else. And just starting to have those conversations, I think, is really helpful. Um, I think if you're in a client facing role, actually having those conversations to mm -hmm. say, 
what are your concerns around climate change? And like, you know, what can we do as an organization to support you or otherwise it, it, or provide you assurances? You know, I've, I've had some kind of clients that do kind of ask occasionally to say, yeah, what, what are you doing? you know to to kind of reduce the impacts of climate change and and we can go back and say right you know here we've got x y and z and this is all the stuff we're doing and it increases client confidence again so i think yeah formal kind of working groups where you can really use everyone's kind of areas of responsibility and everyone's kind of knowledge to get to to kind of a bit of a checklist or just a bit of an action plan um i think it is really important and i'd also add to that um it's not going to be solved overnight. So, you know, if actually it's something that you go, I'd love to do that, but it's not feasible now. It's maybe four or five years down the line. Yeah. Then that's okay. You know, having kind of milestones that are in the future, I think is as important as doing kind of the basic stuff today. Um, I mean, I am not overly a fan of of their carbon offsetting just generally because that's my personal view that I think, mm. you know, if we can stop doing it in the first place, then that's the best place to be. Yeah. Um, you know, but actually that's a really great place to start in the meantime as well. So actually, yes, yeah, start planting some trees occasionally. If you understand kind of where your big ticket, you know, items are, where you are kind of releasing a lot of carbon, then yeah, plant, plant a couple of trees, everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, or, yeah, so true. Or recycle, you know, like recycle plastics yeah. or buy less of them. Yeah. And I know it's, it's hard because it, when you go into the supermarket, especially in the UK, everything's covered in plastic, but you can yeah. make some conscious decisions or, or re- use yeah. the recycling that's available to you and eliminate like any toxic stuff. And we had a recent yeah. podcast on like the, the effects of plastics and toys and, you know, the gaming industry and, and that. So there's like yeah. a whole like vast things you could do. So I, I like that you've kind of taken it from a business perspective and then like personally some small changes, um, Sarah, because that, that's quite pertinent. And one thing I would like to add on top of that is, you know, you don't, Sarah's not saying, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, you have to go and do all these things. <laughs> yeah. You don't know in your business who's doing it. The first step is to, like why don't you go and find out because if yeah. someone asks you what is your green initiative or climate sustainability whatever you at least you know where to look and that's half of the yeah. battle won in just educating yourself first a hundred percent and you know there's so many great resources as well that you can go online yes. and just search and just say you know like what are the things that an organization like mine needs to do and mm. um, you know and things like the UN's got um, an app that you can download that I talks see. about kind of what you can do and there's so many great resources and it's I think it is really easy to get overwhelmed and really easy as well like I say to kind of go oh well that means I can never go on holiday ever again or I can't do whatever and I think it's yeah like you say making conscious decisions and um, you know we're all allowed to be hypocritical at the end yeah. of the day we're all allowed to kind of you know say actually I know that this is bad but I want to do x that's fine occasionally you know nobody's perfect but I think a million people being imperfect is better than everyone 
or one person being perfect yeah and we all have a choice so the choice is there for you guys to make should you wish yeah. <laughs> um wow some very interesting and intense conversation there but much needed because you know it is a hot topic not many people kind of really understand it I'm still trying to get my head around it even though I've kind of been exposed to that from early career but still you don't really put two and two together do you until you reflect on it and there's going to be my so my final question to you before we close up is you know there's there's resilience professionals now who have suddenly on top of everything else they do in the resilience field got climate change and sustainability as part of their remit so how would you approach this so and, and I know you've got experience in this that's why I'm asking her if you're listening or watching us <laughs> um, you know what tips would you know you give to those resilience professionals who have suddenly got this landed on another thing in resilience landed on their desks yeah so I think that that's a challenge that all of us in the resilience industry have isn't it that we all yeah. just kind of somebody somewhere goes that's resilience right give it to them <laughs> um so, so I completely understand that this is another thing and it's not another small thing it's another yeah huge thing and um, for me the biggest thing I think or the first step take is to understand what the current position is and actually that could be what's the current desire mm. in regards to sustainability so actually as an organization is this a losing battle is it actually something that nobody's interested in at mm. all because if it is to be frank there are better things that we can all kind of be spending our time on if there is a desire and I hope that there is then it is kind of for me going back to that data and going, okay, let's think about the risks the same way that we would do any sort of horizon scanning. Let's horizon scan thinking about the risks of climate change for our organization. And I think we've touched on quite a few here, but you know, actually there are so many, like I say, resources online to just be able to go and just actually say, okay, what are the big things that are gonna happen, you know, with, with kind of climate change what does the future look like yeah and actually start to kind of piece those together um you know engaging with clients as well I'm a huge a huge fan of kind of having that conversation to actually say okay what do you need from us so what are your assurances that you need from mm. me and actually being able to piece those together as well um, and and have those conversations so I think yeah start gathering data about what's the desire and what the drivers and once you can start to piece that together, I think you'll start to see kind of who needs to be involved and, and how to kind of put together a bit of an action plan. Mm, I, I like that because sometimes when you get these things landed, you kind of want to go full swing in and thousand yeah. percent. And we yeah. don't really think like, OK, well, what's the appetite? And we do this all the time with risks, with um, security, with business continuity. So why not do it with, you know, what's our what's our take? What's the appetite on climate change and sustainability or whatever else? And I, I really yeah. like that point because, I, to be honest, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> to say that <laughs> it's like a good reminder to actually well wait let's hold on before I go all guns blazing in like what is it that we want to achieve and yeah. how, how long also how long is it going to take isn't it um because you said yeah. we're not going to achieve it tomorrow <laughs> unfortunately nice so nice yeah so yeah take it take a deep breath and have a think before we do anything further <laughs> yeah and and that's and like you know you're speaking from experience because you know you're looking after a magnitude of resilience disciplines and then you've got this this on your radar and that's what you've done and then you kind of taken the next baby steps 
towards that, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I'm really lucky that um, you know, I've I've got an environmental and sustainability manager in my team um mm. who's fantastic. Um, you know, so she's the one that really has all the kind of knowledge. But yeah. actually being able to kind of even support her in saying actually this is how we as an organization need to approach it mm. I think it has been really um it's certainly been a learning curve for me as as well as well as well as a lot of other people I think when we're starting to have these conversations yeah indeed and I, I like that you said that and you've raised a really good point there probably without knowing that we're the this isn't about now you have to go away and become an expert and get 500 degrees certificates in yeah. climate change and sustainability it's having the right people in your team to help you just yeah. like you know if you're, you're responsible for a big department you're not going to know the details and you're not going to know the ins and outs of every single discipline but you need to know how to put it together um, and navigate yeah. that yeah and that's the thing that you know being able to have those strategic level conversations and then kind of you know relying on the team's different areas of expertise I think is something that well something that I definitely need to get better at (laughs) (laughs) yes it's a learning curve isn't it and being strategic is a tough is a tough thing and you know a lot of the time resilience professionals are very we're very like focused on delivering operationally and we find it hard to step back so something to also consider if you're watching us or listening is you know let's get a bit more strategic but I know that's another podcast on how to do that for (laughs) for the future so yeah wow fantastic so climate change sustainability hot topic we've got some ideas from Sarah about you know why like how we can link to us you know I want to put the question on you uh, if you are listening or watching us is climate change and sustainability a big part of your organizations do you consider it are you responsible for it if so get in touch because you know I'd love to hear from you what your story is and, and so would Sarah and also if it's not is other, are other people doing it you know let me know your thoughts and let Sarah know uh, because you know it's all about sharing and learning from each other because we are one big resilience pod family <laughs> at the end of the day so before we wrap up Sarah do you have any final thoughts to share with our audience yeah, I think for me, um, like I say, go and get the data, go and get the evidence before you mm-hmm. start kind of doing anything. But another thing is don't be scared of it. It's a huge topic and nobody's going to be perfect. Um, I think that there are going to be some challenging conversations ahead of, you know, where there are maybe going to be people that see it as using my beef burger analogy, you know, somebody <laughs> saying don't eat beef. Yeah. Um, but you know I think it's being open to those challenging conversations and don't see it in any other way than you would see having another conversation about a different risk that faces the business at the end of the day it's a risk and we need to mitigate it and the impacts of it so let's just approach it in that way and be factual and evidential where we can love that thank you so much it's all about the facts and evidence-based one key thing if you take anything away from that is definitely that point so guys if you've enjoyed this episode then please like and subscribe share it to all your network to to listen to it because you know the story doesn't end there the conversation doesn't end there so sarah thank you so much once again and guys thank you so much for tuning in until next time this is me your host Rina Singh with our guest Sarah Garrington saying bye and no worries and until next time keep on investing in your resilience